Hello and welcome to The Coolest Kids. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Wiggins, joined by your other host, Brock Wilbur. I almost <laughs> said ghost because I was going to say guest and host in the same <laughs> sentence, like in the same word. Oh, dude, I'm dead. Like, I'm so dead. I've been dead this entire <laughs> well, time. I was, looking, I was looking at my waveform and I could see some like squiggles and I was like, oh, because I have a fan on. So I went to turn the fan off. So I'm like thinking guest host, turn fan on. Or turn fan off, and it's just like go host. <laughs> this, I I also like that you've reached the point in audio editing, which is a, a fun point to hit, where you uh, you can just look at the waveform and know what various things are. Like you know what my laugh looks like, but you also know yeah. the squiggles of fan, uh, and you're like, oh, it's, I gotta take care looks, of that. <laughs> I also. Uh, uh, my laugh, I when I see it on the waveform, I become very uh, self conscious of it. Oh, buddy! Like, is my laugh is my laugh bad? Have I been <laughs> laughing wrong for look, all these years? Look at all those highs and lows in the waveform, like a stupid asshole. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, but we have we have a ho- uh, host, ghost, guest. We'll get there eventually. We have a guest with us today. I like the early morning episodes; you? they're so good. I'm just gonna wait for Brock to stop dying. Um, <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Peter Hunter. Uh, I am a comedian slash podcaster slash professional. I don't know how many more words to attach to that. Uh, you can put more if you ex- want to. Ex- we got explain time. your overly complicated and fun podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm the host of Prequel, Sequel, Remake. That is a movie and comedy podcast where we take movies that don't have prequel, sequels, or remakes, and we generate really absurd prequels and sequels and remakes for them just as like an example we uh, made a sequel to castaway that starred wilson the volleyball or um we did a prequel to ready player one uh, as directed by the parker brothers um <laughs> so and uh we just wrapped recording on howard the duck that should come out this week and it is uh can i swear on this you are welcome to swear. Uh, it is batshit. Um, <laughs> as deserving of that film. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that that regular movie is uh, Oh dear, nothing to scoff at. Yeah, be- because of my job, it takes a lot for me to want to turn off a film, and I wanted to turn off Howard the Duck so many times. <laughs> I've never done it. Is it really that bad? It's awful. It's... It's so 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 bad. It's has yeah. It has no like direction. Has no soul. It doesn't know if it's supposed to be a like dark comedy or a children's film. I feel yeah. Leah Thompson has to like flirt with a Howard the Duck puppet, and I feel so bad for her every single time it happens. Ugh. I was gonna say, and that was at a time when like Leah Thompson was like getting work. It was right off Back to the Future. So it seems weird. Like, didn't isn't that produced by? Uh, George Lucas oh, or something? Oh, yeah. George Lucas had been trying to make this movie for, like, eight years before it came out. He was a giant fan of Howard the Duck for some reason. Um, yeah. yeah. I'll share one Leah Thompson anecdote, and then we can move off of Howard the Duck. Um, after <laughs> after the test audience screenings went out, um, 
she took a role in a movie she did not want to get a uh, get the role in because she just wanted to be working on another movie so she could keep getting work uh, after ah. Howard the Duck came out. Ah, okay. <laughs> I believe yeah. that I believe that was some kind of wonderful, which is actually an okay film. So good job, yeah. Good job, Leah Thompson. Good job, Leah Thompson. I, but I appreciate uh, that what comes with it being assigned in your podcast is that it means like hours of work for people though than scripting what they have to do like your, yeah. your podcast comes with a multi-hour homework assignment and that's yeah. after watching howard the duck <laughs> yeah man uh yeah more people should I mean, listen to your show you put in a lot more effort than anyone else in the podcasting world oh uh, yeah thanks man uh prequel sequel remake.com i'll get the plug out right now um yeah. new episodes every tuesday all right. Excellent. But uh, we're not right. here to talk about Howard the Duck. We're not here. We're not here to talk about Howard the Duck. We are here to talk about an album that I actually really like uh, still to this day. Uh, Ocean Avenue, uh, Yellow Card's fourth album, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let, let's be honest, though. This is most people's first Yellow Card album. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It was my first Yellow Card album because who had heard of Yellow Card before? Ocean Avenue came out. <laughs> yeah, so I had some friends who were fans of Yellow Card when they were... I, I still haven't heard their albums before this. I think they were more ska-y before this album. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't really remember. But um, I remember getting Yellow Card like pitched to me by a friend, and it was like, dude, it's like Sum 41 had a violinist. <laughs> uh, that, ew. <laughs> I know, it wasn't a great pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... I mean, I heard, I heard, I saw way away um, on TRL or some MTV thing, and it was like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, this is hardcore, and it has a violin in it." I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> the weird, the weird thing about this album to me is that, like, Ocean Avenue is both the title track and like their most popular song mm-hmm. off of it, but it doesn't sound like the rest of the album. No, they they have it, a big problem with like having songs that are way stylistically different than anything else on the album. There's a lack of consistency. Yeah. um, And I, like, I like the rest of this album. Like, I think, I think this is the sort of, uh, cause I've talked about pop punk a lot, a lot on this show because I'd listened to a lot of it growing up, but a lot of the pop punk from this era, like it sounded like ocean Avenue Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it just like, wasn't that special. Like there was nothing, there was nothing about this song that was very like, it was just catchy. Like it didn't. One, when I said it didn't sound like the rest of the album, so it's really weird. Stuck, especially after the first two tracks. Yeah, definitely. which are like these harder tracks, the hardest yeah. ones on the album by far. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, and then like then there's empty apartment after that, which is like this depressing. <laughs> like, hey, I know my friend is going through some shit right now and hasn't left their house, but. Yeah, and yeah, then no. yeah, and, and then it goes on to uh, "Life of a Salesman," uh, which uh, their take on "Father of Mine," uh, which has the <laughs> most country fiddle sounds at the start of it, is easily the most laughable track to return to. This is this is not a great song. Oh no, 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 no! "Life of a S- I was, uh, the chorus is super disjointed. the The violin part has like eighteen more notes than it needs. It's so fast, <laughs> and it just I, I I don't know how this made "Life of a Salesman." I agree is probably the worst track in the album. I don't even know how it made the final cut, and it's in between "Empty Apartment" and "Only One," which were two very successful songs. 
Like just yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of adult men shouting the word "daddy" at each other, and I was just like, "Hey, we get it." <laughs> I don't think there were adults at this point. Um, uh, I don't know. I have the Wikipedia. They're on their fourth album. Let's see how old Ryan Key <laughs> we'll is. <see. laughs> he's, Ryan Key is thirty-eight, so he's twenty-three. Okay, yeah. that's like he's, prime pop punk yeah, age. That's true. That's very key. Um, but I don't know. I I like I sort of like uh, Life of a Salesman as the concept of. Like just singing a song to your dad, like "Hey, sure. it's I appreciate you," because that's not that doesn't happen a lot or ever. Like Chris Rock literally had a bit about how dad never got any songs, and like every song was about how much they love their mom. And I think it's, I think it is not a good song. Like no. structurally, it's not a good song, but the concept is is well enough. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, you've got, like, Cats in the Cradle, and I think that's, like, in Father of Mine, and those are, like, the only dad right, songs yeah. I can think of. The Father of Mine's very negative. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, every time, like, I re-listened to this album, I think, three times preparing for this, and every time Life of a Salesman came on, I, like, skipped, like, 15 seconds in. Uh, <laughs> I, c- I couldn't do it. Um I actually, I and like, I'm not the biggest fan of Empty Apartment either. I like Only One a lot more. Um, it is, it is, it is uh, the stronger song, which also was a single. Yeah. Which also is like, they release like Way Away and Only One. Like, I feel like can go kind of hand in hand, and like this is what the band sounds like. Yeah. And then Ocean Avenue was also one, and it's just like this isn't. That's not what this is. No, that's not what this sounds like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's I it's I'll I'll compare this album. Um, stay with me. I'll compare this album to the movie Kroll. Stay with me. Um, the first fifteen minutes. Is, of is this Kroll, because you just had to work like, on Kroll at work? <laughs> um, I've had to. I've watched Kroll like four times in the last two months for work. Yes, but anyways, um, in, in the first fifteen minutes of Kroll, um, it's got this amazing score. It has this big world building. Um, there's this gigantic fight with laser swords, and they're not lightsabers; they're swords that shoot lasers. Very, very specific. Um, you like, there's a quest starting. It's so mystical and magical, everything, and it's so like upbeat and exciting. It's like, yeah. And then there's 50 minutes of like very little happening, um, and I feel like that the album is very top loaded in that way. Like you start off yeah. out the gate way away. I think is the fastest song in the album aside from Life of a Salesman, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And then Breathing is, it, like, YOA and Breathing are the closest to, like, in style, in my opinion. And then Ocean, right. and then Ocean Avenue, which is just a catchy song. Um, right. And then Empty Apartment is a good ballad, Life of a Salesman, whatever. Only One, another good ballad. And then the second half of the album, like, falls off significantly. It goes... Yeah, I was gonna say it goes in like twenty different directions. Yeah, there's a bluegrass um, song on this album, and I like that song, <laughs> but it's doesn't like none of this album fits together. Like, no, it's, it does not. It's like made by it's like a, it's like a compilation album of one band. Yeah, I really think this is a classic case of um, a band getting signed and then they record like twenty songs and the record label just cal- cobbles together the album. From right, there. right, yeah. Yeah, because um, like even like I don't after only one you got like miles apart and twenty three like twenty three is another like fast song yeah and it, what and then it's followed by the bluegrass song yeah. View from Heaven <laughs> yeah yeah no twenty three to me is like 
maybe the most generic pop punk song I've ever heard. Yes. <laughs> like it is it is there uh what's my age again? Yeah. God, yeah. And like Ryan Key is like let let's be honest guys, um emo lyrics generally are and pop punk lyrics generally aren't very good. Um they're right. very generic. Uh Ryan Key has some of the worst rhyme schemes and schemes in pop punk for this time period. Um, like way, way, way's chorus is way away, away from here. I'll be <laughs> like, he's rhymed. Yeah. He rhymed away with itself four times and 20 <laughs> and 23 is like one of those things. It's like Nickelback's photograph. You can call the rhyme before it happens. Um, and like, it's yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> the chorus is we're, we're almost 23 and you're still mad at me yeah it's, it's just like yeah yeah we, we know we know yeah Do you think it's, somebody it's... got the idea for 23 and me from this song yes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's what that's a the 23 and me was actually a yellow card uh fan site and then <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, I got a, I got a degree in genealogy. You want to do something about this?" Uh, knowing yeah. somebody in Kansas City who uh, just uh, sold their dot com for half a million dollars uh, to somebody God that damn. wanted it for a different name uh, thing, which I, I didn't think shit like that still happened or nearly on that scale. I do love the idea that somebody would have the Twenty Three and Me fan site. And that they're not the people that that made Twenty Three and Me, but like uh, they haven't posted on the fan site in like a decade plus, but they still have the .dot com. And then one day somebody just shows up and is like, "We'd like to give you like a half million dollars for that." And they're like, "Wow, I'm the only pop punk fan, fan in history who, being a fan of pop punk, like worked out for them. Like <laughs> they just retire <laughs> off that money like ten years. Their kids are like, what is a yellow card?' And they're like, Do- it doesn't matter. It'll never fucking matter. It didn't matter then. It doesn't matter now. We have a half million dollars.'" <laughs> Uh, speaking of not knowing what a yellow card is, I'm kind of surprised they're still together. I I thought they were just done, like very recently. Like they were toying through 2017, I think. Uh, yeah, they they did the acoustic tour of, of of this album, page. which is what I got to see them do a little while back. <laughs> mm. but, yeah, 2017. Yeah, 2017 was their last music video. But that seems weird that like they were still because I don't I don't like as much as I like this album, I don't see I didn't see them like hanging on for that long. Oh no! Like they had the they had like another album after this. I mean they had multiple albums after this, but they had uh, like another sort of big album after this, and it just didn't do the numbers. Yeah, no, that, that was uh, lights and sound. Which is a concept album, I, I think. remember kind of um, liking that one. <laughs> uh, there's like two or three. I remember I had to review that album for the school paper. Um, <laughs> I'm aging myself uh, spectacularly for this. Um, and I remember thinking like, man, um, this is not the same. <laughs> uh, I, there's a couple songs on that album I like. But I mean, it's just not, it's they're just one of those bands that's never going to surpass Ocean Avenue. This is their... Third eye. Right. This is their third eye blind self-titled. You know, like this right. is just going to be their album they're known for, and that's it. And that's fine. Um, hopefully, they invested the money they made from this nicely. Yeah, I mean, apparently they still had to, enough to be a band for. They were a band for twenty years. Yeah, which I mean, Third Eye Blind is, is still touring, man. So yeah, <laughs> you have one good. Third Eye Blind still plouring, t- uh, still plouring, <laughs> touring and playing uh, 
whatever the fucking song they had. Uh, they had two hit songs. I'll have you know. I can't, can't <laughs> remember. I don't know why I can't remember. I know they had two hit songs, but I literally can't. Uh, it's semi charmed. Remember semi charmed life yes. and jumper were their two hits. Yes. Yeah. Uh, semi charmed. They're still playing semi charmed life. You could just people will just like they could play ten songs and it could all be semi charmed life. And people are just like, yeah, I went and saw Third Eye Blind, and they still played it. Sounded like when they did it in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I like that album a lot for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know my brother does too. I like. I don't have a problem with Third Eye Blind. It's just the people who like talk about Third Eye Blind. It's just or people who would really like go to a Third Eye Blind concert, mm. especially uh, we were talking about before the show that I, where I live, it's a beach town. Yeah, so we get a lot of like. Like Yellow Card, if Yellow Card got back together in like five years, they could play a show at the beach here and it would sell out because people are just like, I remember that thing from when I was a teenager. And you're just like, okay, good. Fine. <laughs> yeah, man. We could get other music here, but we could just keep listening to the same thing that you listened to when you were 15. Man, nostalgia culture, it's a, it's a thing, man. It's, a, <laughs> it's a, the reason why the internet freaked out when Weezer covered Africa, man. That sentence hurts me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Like on the inside, I'm sorry. Like I like, <laughs> I like the song Africa, despite it, like people not understanding it's about someone who knows nothing about Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like three of Weezer's albums. Um, right. It's been a while, unfortunately, Weezer. Yeah. We, the weirder it's... part is perhaps that it's become like a touring staple all of a sudden, and like Weird Al did it with them in concert the other night. Like it's. They're doing it every night. It wasn't just like one thing that they did. Like it's it's being released as a single on a record. Uh, it was just like this is too much. It was a it was yeah. a it was a fun funny concert video for for one time. But yeah, no, we don't we don't need to bring Weird Al into this. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. Weird Al has more staying power than Weezer. Yeah, he does. So. Yeah, he does. <laughs> this is by far the most positive thing. Weezer has done in like years, like reception right. wise. Like I think Beverly Hills was the last well received Weezer thing before this. Yeah, I know. We don't need to. We don't need to talk about that. Not good album or any of the not good albums after it. We'll always have Pinkerton. Just, we'll always have Pinkerton. <laughs> it's like I remember. Uh, I remember when that song came out because the, I mean, relatively. Not long after this, after Ocean Avenue, yeah. like Weezer was still like, that's when that's when Weezer started becoming like the Weezer of today, where you're just like, yeah, Rivers, you can't be 30 years old singing about. Uh, back then, he was like 30 years old. Yeah. I was like, you can't be singing about the same things that you did when you were 15 or whatever the hell, uh, or when you were like 20 years old. It doesn't work anymore. No, and then they started making songs. I don't know. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't even have a good sound to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like musically, about, it's... Was this a Green Album era thing, or are we talking about the stuff post that where they're singing about the Playboy Mansion and Beverly Hills? Yeah, that, that's that's was, Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. this is after Maladroit, I think, was the album before um, Make Believe, which is the one with Beverly Hills. Um, and no one talks yeah. about Maladroit um, for good reason. Because they, had, I don't know they how released, how like... <laughs> They released like five albums, like back to because it was because you had you had the blue album and you had Pinkerton and they were what two two years apart or something like that yeah and then green album was two thousand one 
yeah, like four or five years later. Yeah. And so people are like, oh man, new Weezer. We haven't heard Weezer in so long. And then Weezer is just like, hey, I heard everyone missed us. So here you go. Here's 14 albums all at once. Yeah, I know that. Here's a song called Pork and Beans. It's literally oh. going to have a chorus where you shout pork and beans. Uh, oh, you and, mean? Uh, Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you mean they, they've just been trying to they've rewritten Buddy Holly so many times because Pork and Beans is Buddy Holly. It's the exact same like theme. It's the theme of the song is the same. The structure is the same. Like it. Ugh. All right. Well, let, yeah. let's get off of the Weezer hate train. Um, uh, Pinkerton's <laughs> one of my favorite albums ever. The Blue Album's very yes. good, uh, especially the deluxe edition, which has Suzanne on it. One of my favorite Weezer songs. Um, do you, do you know that he has a spreadsheet for drug use? Ugh. He has he keeps a Google document because uh, he uh, takes a lot of uh, a lot of like down downer stuff uh, like Vicodins and stuff like that, and then some occasional like more recreational things. Uh, and and he shared on on Twitter at one point that like yeah he uh, he just tracks all that uh, in a, in a Google Doc so he doesn't let it get out of hand. Like if he's used it more than a couple of days in a row, it's time to not use that one again for a while. And I was like, even you can make you can make being a rock star who does drugs uncool. You brought a spreadsheet into the equation. I don't understand how a person can be that uncool. Honestly, that's so disturbing to me. This spreadsheet is yeah, so disturbing. That's a that's a lot worse than like him just using drugs. He's just like, no, I have to do it this way. Yeah, the conscious that's... effort. Is so weird, <laughs> right? Um, but let, let's maybe drift back to what we came to talk so, about. So uh, no, that's the whole point of the show is drifting <laughs> off into. All right, well, good. Um, so uh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say one of the cool things I've always always liked about uh, Yellow Card is that there was a black guy who was the drummer. Yeah. Uh, and just seeing another black person like in pop punk doing right, yeah. Because I was I, I went to a uh, a ninety four percent black school, uh, and so if I and I didn't listen to rap in high school, so I was on the outs. Uh, mm. uh, so um, to see like to see another person who looked kind of like me, I guess, being in stuff that I liked, I was just like, oh man, that's fucking something yeah dude uh, i can i can feel you there um i grew up in a very opposite situation i grew up in what at the time what was the whitest county in the country um and my my brother uh, my half brother um is african-american um and is also mm -hmm. a drummer um so i like i immediately gravitated towards that aspect and all my friends um you know, thought it was cool. Like, whoa, they have, like they have this cool black drummer. It's, yeah, I was like, there's a black guy in the. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, because you don't you don't ever see that. Like, it no. was always like you'd see like there'd be bands from like Florida or something, and they'd have like a Hispanic guy or something mm. in there. Um, but that's about that's about. It. But it was a Hispanic guy who was also looked very white. So it was just like you saw them all together. You were just like, oh, it's a group of white guys. Yeah, um, it's a pale white boys club pop punk. In right, era. right. Um, and and now pop punk nowadays isn't anything like I don't know what pop punk is now like I think it all kind of sounds like every band heard like uh, Four Year Strong and was just like we're gonna sound like this now and that's where pop punk went. Mm -hmm. See, I yeah. I think um, got something just weird about this album to me is 
everyone I knew liked this album. Like yeah. I had like um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Like hyphy music was like at its peak, like or starting to get to its peak when this album came out. Um, a lot of Bay Area metal was really on the rise at that time. And uh, same with the pop punk and emo stuff. Um, like some local bands were starting to get towards like general acclaim bands like the Matches. Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone across the spectrum loved this album. <laughs> like I, right. I, and I think it's just cause um, just because of my age at the time, you know, I was 14 when this came out. Um, like ocean Avenue is just that prototypical, like hopeful high school pop song, you know, right? like this idyllic, like, Hey, l- like, let's just hang out at the beach together. Like we used to. And like, let's get back together. You know, like a re- right. real like '60s like Beach Boy type thematic. Uh, so this know. song, this song has definitely played at the beginning of more than one uh, teen comedy. Oh, almost oh, definitely. Or trailers. This has got to be a trailer song. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh... <laughs> it's not quite the middle uh, by Jimmy Eat World, which I th- I think has to have the record for most damn trailers. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me, like this album reminds me of uh, Fall Out Boy's. Um, Beneath the cork tree. Oh yeah, under under the because cork tree, it's very, like even ocean even over that's can't talk. <laughs> ocean Avenue, Ocean Avenue, and uh, Sugar were going down. I feel like very much exists in the same lane of just like mm-hmm. these songs do not match at all what the rest of the album sounds like. Yeah, definitely not. Because it, like looking at Fallout Boy, like. Sugar We're Going Down, like, it's a fine song, but the rest of that album is way better than anything else. Oh. Like, uh, except for except for Dance Dance, which I never want to hear that song no. ever again. Oh, you life. don't love um, Patrick Stump, weird falsetto singing the words <sighs> Dance Dance? God, no. And that, like, it's it's just not, it's, uh, God, I hate that song. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, work, I worked I'm at a bad. radio station. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a radio station. Oh, dear. And that song... That song came on a lot. Uh, I worked at a radio station in 2007, so it was a few years afterwards. Mm. But it like it was before uh, Fall Out Boy became whatever. Um, who was the guy? Babyface. He had produced that that next album, mm. um, and whatever they became with that wasn't didn't Timbaland or though they just produced a song together. That Timbaland yeah. Fall Out Boy song is very bad. Yeah, that a follow like I don't know. I have friends who like Fall Out Boy, and I don't like anything that they did after uh, Under Courtry. I don't even like that first album that they did, which all of my friends who like pop punk do, mm. like because that first album was way more pop punk than anything they did after. But I don't know. Yeah, uh, and Fall Out Boy is an interesting case because I believe they all used to be members of different hardcore bands in Chicago, and then they like came together and made a pop punk band. There's actually a weird intersection of like hardcore music and pop punk music, uh, especially oh, in yeah. this time period. Like people, like their their fans, like well, the Venn diagram is basically two circles over each other. It's very weird. Yeah, it's um, and then I mean, then after that, you had bands coming out like A Day to Remember, which were just like we're gonna make both of these, we're gonna do them together. 
and that's what Warp Tour became. <laughs> that that is what Warp Tour became. Um, <laughs> um, so speaking of Warp Tour, I have two yellow card stories from Warp Tour. <laughs> um, uh, the first one I'm not proud of. The second one is a fun story. Uh, so awesome. um, <laughs> hooray! So the, the first time, uh, the first and only time I've seen yellow card live was at Warp Tour. I think this was 2007 or summer of 2006, going into 2007. Lights and sounds mm. had come out, and they were promoting the one after it that no one listened to. Um, and I had gone to Warp Tour to see, um, like, uh, Paramore was playing. Like, Paramore was just getting really hot. Um, Bas- mm-hmm. Bayside was playing. Um, they were coming off of self-titled, going into Walking Wounded. Um, and I was there to see, basically there to see those two. Um, mm-hmm. Then we were just wandering around, like you do in Warp Tour, like, finding bands to listen to in- intermittently. Right. Um, and we saw Yellow Card was going to play. He was like, yeah, okay. Um, and, like, about halfway through their set, my friend and I started a mosh pit, and all of their fans left. Like, every <laughs> the seas parted. It was, like, ten of us left there, and we just kind of standed there awkwardly listening to the rest of their set. It was only, like, three more songs. but uh, So, uh, I'm sorry, Yellow Card. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I disbanded. I disbanded your 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 uh, audience. Uh, you know, I Moshpits happen at Warp Tour. They should know, <laughs> right? Um, and then so the other so later that day, um, we had somehow conned our way into getting VIP badges. Uh, I don't know how we did it, uh, but we got them. Uh, we got to meet a lot of people. We got to meet uh, like Haley from Paramore. We got to meet um, Anthony from Bayside and a few other folks. It was. Uh, really cool and then we were just wandering around like the VIP backstage area and then Ryan and the violinist I think his name's Kevin I I can't remember off the top of my head they were just hanging out and they like called us over and they just like wanted to hang out and talk with us for like 20 minutes like they didn't seem to care at all um, they were yeah. they were super 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 nice which made me feel really <laughs> weird weird and bad about it um, but yeah they were like really chill down to earth folks um, so I'll say they're very nice people Um and the album after the lights and sounds is still very bad. Yeah. And those are my yellow card stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking, you were talking about Paramore, and you were talking about like how hardcore and like pop punk came together. Mm. Like Haley Williams, she was on uh, Norma Jean. I think she was on the first Norma Jean album. Really? Like the last track. Huh. I want to. I want to say it was Norma Jean, or it was um, the Chariot. It was one of them where she she did a. Uh, she did vocals on on some uh, this was this was like 2003 or whatever um i believe that was i believe she did that that's, i don't have to that's crazy um but yeah it was uh she she was on a lot of um it's really weird to me uh i've never been a fan of paramore uh, i didn't hate them like it was it just wasn't for me mm-hmm. um but let me see uh, the chariot yeah she was on the chariots uh album and she was also on say anything and she did set your goals and newfound glory so she was and then <laughs> after she did set your goals that's what she started what the hell she was in airplanes part two with bob and eminem i remember that which is uh uh, uh that song <laughs> also it's weird that bob released a song called airplanes and he was the guy that's like no the earth's flat though <laughs> <laughs> hey, but me- metaphors aren't flat, though. Okay, so metaphor, metaphors. Metaphors. 
Metal Floors. Yeah. Uh, she was on a Me Without You album in 2012, Jeez. which also sounds something. Um, I don't know. A Me Without You album in 2012. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't listen to that one. I was going to say that was about the time I stopped listening to them. But I did see them in concert oh. uh, around that time, like right before that, that 2012 album came out. And they were still very good. Uh, except for the band that played before them. I specifically remember this because they were so awful. They were named uh, Reverse Cowboy. Oh. Come on. Come on. And they opened opened for uh, Me Without You. Like, and they were just like this awful, like, I want to say, they were like this like country rock band or something and they sucked and... Uh, Reverse Cowboy wasn't good, Terrence. No, they, they Terrence, weren't. They this weren't is working good. against my expectations. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it's it, like it's it's bad because I mean you know what me without you sounds like, mm-hmm. and if, when you see the like when I go to see a me without you show, I'm just like I know what to expect. But then this band comes on called Reverse Cowboy, and it's just like. Reverse cowboy. You can't keep did, saying it. You gotta warn us, buddy. Did, did who decided to put this show together? Th- that might be legitimately one of the worst band names I've ever heard. Reverse. Yeah. Reverse was cowboy. The, was their manager the father of the lead singer of Reverse Cowboy? Sorry, I said oh, it again. He, really, and every time it gets a little worse. It does. Like you keep saying, like, yeah. uh I, he he had to have been, but like there was a band I cannot remember the name of it. There was a local <laughs> band that opened that they were like the openers, and then a reverse. I'm not even gonna say it again. The terrible band <laughs> played in the middle, in between them and uh, and the first band, and like the first band was really good. I can't remember the name of them now. Uh, I don't even think they're together anymore. Uh, and they they their sound fit with me without you, and then it just. This this chunk in the middle huh? was just like yeah. Yeah. well, it's so like I've been I've been trying to not say their name like so then the chunk goes on uh, then, <laughs> then the bad part happened yeah I've, like and I've been to shows where like there's been a band that doesn't fit in yeah like the the first show I went to was uh was uh like that wasn't Warped Tour because uh was um from omna ashes and emory and the honorary title opened for them oh nice and the honorary title is like a two or three piece band of like guys like with like keyboards and their acoustics and all this other stuff Mm. uh in between like two hardcore like post-hardcore bands and I was just like, eh, this isn't what I expected from the show. But then I went to, uh, then 10 years later, I went to a show that was a nightmare. Oh. Well, I'm sorry you had to experience (laughs) all of these things, particularly the one band that must not be named. Yeah. Uh, Um... (laughs) Uh, oh man! You want to read something gross I just saw? Sure. Um, <laughs> is it grosser than? So is it grosser than Reverse Cowboy? <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's a little weird and creepy. Um, but I'm looking at Haley Williams' uh, Wikipedia page because I was trying to find what song she was on. Right, right. 
and uh, Kerrang, I believe, which is a music, yeah, is a music magazine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she has been voted sexiest female uh, many times, and that's uh, really creepy. That's ah. really weird. Mm. Huh. Yeah, I. Th- uh, like and and it's not and it's not like years ago this happened like it's it was 2007 to 2013 she was voted hottest or sexiest female huh it's well first of all that's a weird poll for a music magazine to have right especially for like a lead sing- like, I, that's super weird and i'm like i'm not gonna like knock like Haley williams looks or whatever or anything like yeah that, to each their own um, she, I will say, like, especially, like, when Riot came out, that was a very, like, prototypical, like, look of, like, la- right. ladies in the pop punk, uh, like, emo, hardcore scene. So, like, I, very much. So, I could see that. It's just, like, but also, like, a music publication, a publication, like, screw off. Like, don't do these stupid polls. This is so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Like, I don't, like, I mean, like, she doesn't have my favorite singing voice either, but, like, you know, let credit stand on like you know yeah, yeah i was just like voice. like she should be able to stand on her on her singing and not yeah her looks it's yeah. sexy and like to, i don't know the word it as sexiest female yeah, like that's 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 <laughs> grosser than i would say like hottest singer right you know? right yeah like if it was just like a hottest singer category like it's just like oh you could put everyone in there but, yeah. but it's just like yeah, what's your what's your sexiest is, is there a reverse category <laughs> what are you saying sexiest male yeah. yeah, like definitely that, not gonna be nobody, that nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, uh, um, who's your who's your sexiest female? Yeah. bring me a sexiest female. Yeah, it sounds God. like a translation error in a game or like an alien. Writer. <laughs> uh, bring me a sexiest female. Yeah. Um, oh my God. So, you know, yellow card. We've yeah, gone, right. you know, yellow card. I don't know. I feel like like there's only so much you could say about Ocean Avenue as an album because it is as it exists. Like it's I like it. Like I like listening to it. But like there's not a lot of meat on them bones. No. Um, I, yeah. I think it's just like very prototypical of like pop punk at the time. Um, right. There's some there's some really good songs on it. There's a lot of not good songs on it. Uh, it's a lot of chaff. Um, but I mean, you know, like if you listen to just like the first like, you know, four tracks in a row and you stop to be like, wow, that's a, the one of the best pop punk EPs I've ever heard. Uh, right. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could go and like just like favorite songs on the album. I, I like. Yeah. 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 Tell me, what are your favorite songs on the album? I mean, well, I'd say I'll do top two because like if it's favorites, which we're just going to keep saying the same ones. I mean, it does. It doesn't matter. We got time. That's Tell true. You, That's true. Say your things, baby boy. <laughs> um, I mean, way away, like the the hook, like the violin hook is really, really good. Um, the yeah. The structure is really good. The chorus is really good except for the lyrics the lyrics are the worst part <laughs> um so i'd say wait wait is probably my favorite song on the album then after that it's probably only one like i i can just think of so many like emotional days in high school where this was like this right this hit the like hit me right in the feels <laughs> it's like oh 14 year old peter there's so much i could wish i could tell you and yet yet i can't um I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I think it is. I I like only one. Like now, like well, even even like after I had like, gotten out of high school and all that stuff, mm-hmm. emotionally matured and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I, that song is fun to sing along to because there's like a lot of like holding and like uh, harmonizing and stuff, yeah, and it's it's fun to harmonize with that song. Uh, I think my favorite song on the album might be Believe. Really? Um, 
because I don't know, just because the 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 um like I do like the violin in that song a lot, and I like the lyrics in it just as sort of the um. It like it just says be strong, believe, and I think that's a good message to hear when you're like a teenager. True, um, because there are plenty. I mean, me and Brock can attest to this doing a doing a podcast about emo and pop punk and all that. That a lot of them are just like wallowing in their own sort of sadness, <laughs> and to to come out and have a song that literally just says be strong, believe. Like I don't know. That's I. I think there are, there are good um, messages in a lot of the yellow card songs, uh-huh. but they're not particularly like it's not like they're badly written. I just don't think they're deep enough. Like they're not well written enough with the message that is going along with it. Yeah, um, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And I really I hadn't thought about it till you just brought it up. I really agree with the sentiment. There's so much, even like the poppier like crossover success stuff in this time like so much pop punk and emo that is so negative and wallowing and like kind of like gross thematically if you think about it like yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of like making light of like suicide or like cutting yourself and things like that right and like that's it's like super like stuff i listened to at the time nonchalantly you know probably because i was a teenager full of hormones um and it was like yeah man life is deep these are deep things uh but not a lot of really positive messages even like crossover hits like uh my chemical romance is like like super goth and over dramatic but it still has those really negative themes in it um right so like i'd agree there's something to be said as my cat just bumped into my microphone now that's gonna sound great (laughs) um there's something to be said you already heard the cat say hello which i'm I'm glad that we we caught (laughs) Oh, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's something to be said about you know being positive, even if it's with you know Ryan Key's not great lyrics. Um, God, even Fall Out Boy is really negative too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez, I hadn't really thought of that. So um, yeah, I, this is positive. <laughs> good for yeah. It. Like I was, I was, I was even thinking because I was reading that Ryan Key now plays with uh, Newfound Glory, which is another band. I'm surprised they're still together. Um, but like even newfound glories like crossovers like my friends over you which is literally just like i don't need you girl i have my friends yeah. and it's just like it should have been called bros you can before have both <laughs> <laughs> right yes it is it is it is bros before hoes the pop punk song um yeah but yeah i don't yeah yeah, God, I, yeah. I feel so bad for everyone in my generation including me uh who learned a lot of their initial things about romantic like relationships through pop punk songs i'm so i feel so bad for us we're, like, we're, learned, we're messed learned, up in that way that like uh like high fidelity is about like like 80s and 90s music but ours mm. is is so much worse and like it, the pokemon evolution of of bad uh <laughs> inner intersex relationships <laughs> Yeah, jeez, it's just so like, it's so, it's kind of, like abusive in a different way. Is like a lot right. of how these relationships are portrayed. Like this endless like persistence and pursuant, and like that you're entitled to feelings from like women, and that pe- women will like will buckle eventually. Like if you're like persistent enough, and like this is what nice guys do. Like right, she's like it's, omnipresent. It's, 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 <laughs> Well, it's like it's the uh, it's the the say anything of just like 
John Cusack holding up the boombox. Speaking of John Cusack, yeah. John Cusack seems to play a lot of guys that uh, are shitty. Um, <laughs> but yeah. it's like you, you'll love it's this. Cont- uh, you, Viv was uh, after we did the episode with Viv. She was like, "Oh, I should write up like uh, an article for my site about uh, all the the guys from movies that we grew up with that that prepared us to like." really awful guys. And she got like four or five into the list. And she's like, they're all John Cusack. Every one of them. It's all Cusack. All straight down the ticket. And I was like, you, you should run that. Actually, that's, that would be great. Yeah. And it's uh, like on the way, be like, wait, something's, something's not right here. And at like four, you're like, oh, oh, there's a pattern. It's the Cusack pattern, which is also a great name for an emo band. I think. Oh, <laughs> the oh, Cusack pattern. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. I just feel like it's. It is the natural extension of playing into like sad white boys. Yeah. Of like, like just saying. I mean, because like all the movies in the eighties are just like the sad white boy gets the girl. So it's just like just continue being a sad white boy. And so it's just like the guys who wrote this music watched all the movies from the eighties, and then like the internet stepped in, so like you could get your stuff out there more, and then like this stuff gets bigger and bigger, and then. And then the the sad white boy empire just grows stronger every day, and they're just like, "Why am I not? Why is female not touch penis?" And, and then and you're, you and get, you're right. Uh, it distills as as they distilled everything from the '80s. They took the idea that you could be sad and it gets you the girl, and now it's like, what if you could be sad but you could also be mean to the girl? Right. Like it. It added it's that like, layer. Like like yeah. It's just like uh, it's like. John Cusack and Mystery, the guy who wore shitty top hats. They became one person and they're just like, Where are we are the internet now. It's like when uh that episode of Aquatine when they go on the internet and the uh the wizard is there, but his name is spelled like W W Y Y Z whatever it was. Yes. And and it's just like this guy who looks like John Cusack and uh Mystery became one person and it's just like I am here and I will tell you all the things about why women don't like you and why you're perfect, but also you're shitty. <laughs> you have used so many good character voices this episode. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, white guys sound like that. I've heard that. It's a do. mix of we Zorak do. and this White there, voice. <laughs> yeah, God. Oh, man. Yeah, I I really went. Like, pop punk and emo were really, like, important for me, finding, like, the music that I love now. I mean, I still, like, have somewhat of an affection for this nostalgically. So, like, I, yeah. I owe... I owe like bands like My Chemical Romance like a lot because if I hadn't found them, then I wouldn't have found like uh, I think I my line went from like My Chemical Romance like to Mastodon and then Mastodon led to like all the metal metal I love now. So mm-hmm. like I owe, I know it's a weird progression, right? <laughs> um, so I, I owe a lot to it, but also like it was a weird genre of music to absorb in this time period right especially right especially this was the start of social media like this like right yeah. this time period like myspace really became a thing um and like that like my generation getting the first taste of being like a teenager uh on social media like oof i like uh, yeah i wish i could i don't i, I wish i could I go like, back i don't look <laughs> i wish i could go back and stop uh, me <laughs> yeah i was like i do not look back on that time fondly um yeah yeah man uh, like i couldn't even imagine being a child today <laughs> and being on the internet. yeah no i don't even like being an adult on the internet <laughs> yeah no no not at all um i was looking at a yellow cards uh uh wikipedia page and uh they mentioned the band craig's brother 
um, which I believe the violinist played on one of their albums and also Ryan Key like performed with them a few times or something mm. like that. It says they tried out for him. But Craig's brother was uh, was one of the like the first punk bands that I got into. Um, and it kind of set this different uh, this different expectation for pop punk lyrics for me mm. because a lot of Craig's brothers like their first album is like uh like they talk about um like a guy who who's like like looks at porn and kind of like disrespects women and stuff like that and there there's a song about uh the, the like the the first song on their album is about uh like dealing with your own reli- like relationship religion and like people like trying to hand down like their uh their their religious like learnings to you but it seems fake mm-hmm. and this was like 1998 or something like that so that like it kind of so to go on and like pop punk continued and like punk continued from there like there was an expectation that was never quite met lyrically mm-hmm. and so you get to stuff like yellow card you get to stuff like newfound glory and it's just like guys sad about girls yeah it's just like uh this isn't this isn't what i this isn't what i want i'm i'm done with this oh man well (laughs) i only i only wanted this unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) i mean i listen i i didn't listen to a lot of this it was very few pop punk bands that i did get into Mm -hmm. uh after a certain point um because i listened to it like a lot of post hardcore yeah Um, yeah me too silverstein was my jam uh, bro (laughs) (laughs) we've we've talked about silverstein numerous times uh and they are uh they are they're releasing an album or something what no they're doing brock what did you send me it's like the 15 year anniversary of their first album or something yeah yeah oh no there's i forget what it was called it's whatever the the robot i think it's it's the the robot robot. it's the robot one Okay, it wouldn't be discovering the waterfront. That was the second one. Yeah, that was the second one. It is. We're gonna look it up because when broken is easily fixed. Oh yeah. Which sounds bad. Like the like actually like listening to the album, it's it doesn't sound like it was recorded very well. And that yeah, that batch of Victory Records albums, that first one, like you had the the first Straylight Run album, the first. Uh, Bayside album, the first Aiden album, the first Hawthorne Heights album. Uh, yeah, they all just... They do not sound very good. The second uh, one sounds no. fine. The first ones are not... Right. Do not sound right. Good. Yeah. I, like, it, it sounds so bad, it sounds like it was recorded in, like, somebody's bedroom or something. Like, it's... it's. I mean, they're probably basement studios. Like, I imagine they just probably. rushed out a bunch in basement studios and then put them together in samplers and stuff. It's really how I, I discovered a lot of those bands. Like, I got... Um, my brother bought me the Hawthorne Heights, the first Hawthorne Heights album, um, Silence mm-hmm. in Black and White, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And then it had that yes. Victory record sampler in it. And, um, you know, that's how I discovered Silverstein and Bayside, two bands I like significantly more mm-hmm. than Hawthorne mm-hmm. Heights. Um, <laughs> Brock, uh, Brock had messaged me earlier this week. And he was like, hey, my friend wants to do, he has all these albums that he wants to do. And I just like gave him breakdowns of just like, 
this is why I want to do Yellow Card because I do not want to spend an hour making fun of some of these other albums Fair. that I did listen to. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, no, I like, I like, uh, because of this, I deep dove into like some old ones I had been, I had listened to. I listened to part of like Silence in Black and White and the first Silverstein album and a few other things. And I was like, oh, geez, what was wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that was one of the things where like, I, as I started to get older, like I was, I tried to listen to him just like, this is gross sounding yeah. like it like i don't know it was it was because uh, i said like my first concert was from mom to ashes and so you get other bands that sort of sound like them and it's not like i saw silverstein i don't know like probably 10 times because they were always touring yeah and they always had bands that i wanted to see with them uh so yeah i actually and they yeah I've actually n- uh, never seen Silverstein. The one I was supposed to see Silverstein live once, um, and this this actually ties back into it. Um, it was this tour, and it was Aiden, Hawthorne Heights, Silverstein, and Bayside. And the show before the show I was supposed to see, um, that's when the yeah. van flipped and their drummer died. Yeah, yeah, um, I saw. I saw them because it was like the. I think I was like two tour dates or three tour dates after that or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and they came here and it was just Bayside playing acoustically. Yeah. Um, so that was a, uh, awkward show. Yeah. I, I'm, I imagine it's an awkward show. Um, yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I, I think I talked to Anthony about that when I met him at Warped Tour that mm-hmm. year, which I'm sure he loved rehashing, uh, <laughs> you know, emotional maturity of a teenager here, folks. Um, sorry, Anthony Rayneri. I apologize. <laughs> uh, um, um yeah um i will i will say (laughs) touching back to yellow card (laughs) real briefly right um i like the bluegrass song on this album uh yeah it does not belong on this album (laughs) i wish they made they should make a blue they should have made a bluegrass album because that song is it would sell pretty good it would sell better than a pop punk album right now probably oh yeah definitely yeah Yeah. bluegrass is in there guys if they they call themselves blue card that would be they would do Uh, very well uh Oh dear! Hey, I didn't bring up Silverstein. You don't get to ug me on my own podcast. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You are right. Uh, I mean, bluegrass being in now is better than whatever folk music was when it started coming back like five years ago. Yeah, I, it, it really started with "Oh Brother, See. Where Art Thou?" That's like where yeah. it started. Uh, I was, but but like I was saying, like a few years ago, like you started getting like Mumford and Sons and the Civil Wars and. Yeah, that's garbage. True. The Silver, Civil they, Wars, which is a terrible name. I, I, I love too. that. Like, yeah. I had to realize that the Civil Wars had an entire career and broke up and broke so many people's hearts. And I was like, wait, wasn't their career like one year? No, it was many years in the middle here. It was. It was a long. They were together for a long time and wow. made a lot of bad music. Wow. Uh. Anyway, yeah. I worked in Star. I worked at a Starbucks, so I had to hear them a lot. Oh, so oh, I have I no. Apologize. I have no, uh, I have no like qualms in calling them shit. <laughs> and it's like uh, when you're talking about like bands leading to other bands. When I worked at the radio station, we had gotten in a uh, like a bunch of CDs, so I would just get like free CDs, mm-hmm. and that's how I discovered a few bands. And I got a uh, a copy of the Dodo's Visitor album. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, that was like my lead in into like there are freak folk bands, so I like started to find like different folk bands from there. And so like when folk started getting more popular, and then you were just like, here's Mumford and Sons, and you're just like, oh, they made an album, and all the songs sound exactly the same. No, thank you. Yeah, I think Mumford. Goodbye. I think they're okay. Like I'd rather listen to like the Punch <laughs> Brothers if you haven't hold the, heard the Punch Brothers, they're very good. Okay. Um, yeah. Or uh, Trampled by Turtles, or there's a band called Lenny and His Flask, which I think is a fun name for a bluegrass <laughs> band. Um, those yeah. girls are, I like all of those more so than Mumford yeah. and Sons. Yeah. More like. Oh, it's coming. Coming. The joke is coming. It's gestating. No, it's, no, it's, it's gone. not. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Okay. It's gone. Brock. There was nothing. Brock. There was nothing ever there. Brock, do you have a Mumford and Sons pun or Mumford and puns? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There you just is. got the uh, weirdest laugh out of Terrence that I've ever heard come from Terrence. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, podcast successful then. Um. Yeah, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is good. It's fun. This is fun. Good. Uh, so, Peter, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I am at Pretor Hunter on Twitter. Some people pronounce it Pretor. It is Pretor because my name is Peter. Um, mm. uh, my podcast prequel sequel remake is available on all podcast platforms. Uh, just search for it. Um, you'll probably get the Howard the Duck episode by the time you hear this. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so so sorry. Um, but it's really funny. Um, it's a really really funny episode. It's probably our funniest yet. So I'd highly recommend that. And um, you know, listen to Ocean Avenue if you're feeling nostalgic. Com- yeah, let's say it's it's summertime. It's, com- got, uh, it's harmless. It's completely yeah. harmless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. B- uh, Brock, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, at Reverse Cowboy. Uh, uh, you would. You should just go say that. Say that to your wife. Be like, hey, you want to listen to this band, Reverse Cowboy, and see if she like just stabs you in the heart. Um, she I, I, she, I she would. I hate to tell you that at Reverse Cowboy and at Reverse Cowboys are taken on Twitter. <laughs> so, of course they are. Sometimes we research things too quickly on this show. Yeah, it's, the, it's the internet. It's the, the power of the internet. Yeah, I'm uh, Brock at Brock Wilbur. You can, you can find my podcast and stuff. Uh, Missouri Loves Company, Carrying Into the Void. Uh, please uh, support uh, our, our good boy Terrence by, by his shirts. I, I keep feeling like I should promote your cookies, but you're not in cookie time right now. I'm not. I'm not. It's 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 gone. The season's gone. Yeah. Uh, you could find me at the Black Nerd, which has all the stuff that you would ever need to know about me ever. Uh, but Peter, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks for having to me. talk about this album and uh, listen to it again. And uh, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes. I should probably like write down what I need to say at the end of the show, so I'm not just like, "What? A, how do you end a podcast?" Um, <laughs> rate the show on iTunes. It helps a lot with like visibility and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And follow us on Twitter at Coolest Kids Pod. And there is nowhere else you could find us except for right here every Sunday. As always, we are the coolest kids, and we take what we can get. Goodbye, friends. <laughs>